This podcast is brought to you by A Copy Match. A Copy Match is a boutique matchmaking service that helps exceptional singles find meaningful connections and relationships. To learn more about our matchmaking services, online dating makeovers and takeovers, or to enroll in an upcoming group coaching intensive, go to agapimatch.com. Welcome to Ask a Matchmaker. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. For over a decade, I've combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, each week, I bring a guest on to talk about dating and relationships while answering your questions. You can ask a question by visiting askamatchmaker.com. This week's guests are Erica Spera and Molly Demelier from the podcast, Shooters Gotta Shoot. Erica and Molly, previously NCAA athletes, have always taken shots on and off the court. They know how to get what they want, except when it comes to men. This is their bio, by the way. I did not write this. This is their bio. (laughs) You know that. We're going to talk about this. Anyway, recently dating has become harder to navigate with Erica getting diagnosed with herpes and Molly's sister slash best friend excommunicating herself from the family. But instead of giving up on love, they've made a pact to challenge each other to test modern and old school dating methods. They'll stay in the game and laugh at the rejections they take along the way. You can follow our podcast, Shooters Gotta Shoot on Instagram, Shooters Gotta Shoot Pod, and also go subscribe to it on all of your favorite podcast listening devices. But today, the ladies join me in Ask a Matchmaker. Welcome, Erica and Molly. Hello. Hi. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, we're so excited to be here. Yeah. I'm excited you're here. Uh, okay, so I know people's eyebrows just went with like your bios. <laughs> so it's like just so many questions. So I want to start off with Molly. Ooh. Your what does it mean that like your your sister no longer speaks to your family? Yeah, I mean, right now at this point, it's pretty much just me. Uh <laughs> Uh, but yeah, are uh, you the family? Yeah, I am the whole family. <laughs> Everything revolves around me. No, some bridges have been mended for sure. Um, but yeah, for a while she was estranged from the entire family. We cover this, um, pretty in depth in the second episode of our podcast. If people want to check it out, it's, it's a really, uh, long, rough story. And I think really the crux of it for me when it came to dating was, just this really big abandonment fear of this person who I love beyond measure and always will just didn't want me anymore. And I felt so unlovable. And I felt like this was the person, like why walk down the aisle when the person who's supposed to stand next to me wasn't going to be there. And for like the longest time I was like, I, when I think of my wedding day, I, I, I pictured my sister being the person next to me and not actually like a, a husband like the, it meant more to me that she would be there and she would support me and and she would love who I loved and just care for me um and it you know we don't have that relationship anymore and I really started to spiral of you know what's the value of a relationship when I really am just unlovable and it it was really hard to get out of and so that was a lot of like the crux of us starting this show was to force Erica and I both to kind of get over our fears of going out on dates and yes we are capable of finding love and we deserve it and you know everyone kind of has their shit that they bring into a relationship and their baggage that you know normalize it and really actually one of the first things that's 
a kind of a, was like an impetus of the podcast was I was out on a first date with this guy. It was not going well. It, I was so awkward. And I, I don't know why, like, I just, I hadn't been on many first dates. And so he just throws me a, what should be a softball question. And he was like, so do you have siblings? You know, tell me about your family. And I just started to stutter. <laughs> like, I, just, I couldn't answer it. I was like, uh, I, I don't know what. And then he got so uncomfortable and he was like, oh, no, no, no. We don't have to talk about that. You know, so what do you like sports? What do you say now on dates when men ask, do you have any siblings? I say I have a sister and a brother. I don't have a relationship with my sister, but my brother is the most important person in my life. And I don't know what I would do without him. Like he is my absolute best friend. Right. And good answer. Thank you. I, it's taken me a long time to get there. <laughs> you know, I try to explain this to people sometimes when I'm setting them up, they'll say stuff like they need to be close to their family. And I'm like, there are really good people out there who, and I'm not saying this applies to you necessarily because you have a very specific relationship here with, it seems with one person, but there are some people who do belong to toxic families and yeah. that doesn't make them any less family oriented. It just means that they have boundaries and they have, they know their limits and they would, while they might appreciate your big and the word over-involved family that might not necessarily mean that includes their family. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I totally agree. And, you know, I think, I guess when it comes to relationships, it can be a bit vague, you know, growing up, we were really close and in some ways she was like another mother to me. We have a really big age gap. What's the age gap? It's about seven years. So years. Okay. That's a pretty big gap. Pretty big gap. The eldest. Yes. When I think about her, when I talk about her, there's still so much pain And I think that is a, it's a closeness. It's not, you know, a positive kind, but it's a a love that's never going to go away. And I think, you know, whenever I, I've really, I've told one person who I dated the full story of what happened and like, he understood that it was like a real pain and it was someone who I really, really cared about. And I think, you know, it's not that I just don't care about this person at all. It's not something that, you know, I never think about. It doesn't bother me. It's yeah, it's always going to bother me. I think that's something that is always going to be tough to communicate to. And it was something that I noticed in friendships of, you know, when people said bad things about her in my defense, I would get angry with that person of like, you know, you don't Do you think she listens to your podcast. Yeah. She does. podcast. Yes. How do you know that? I've been told. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, all right. Molly, thank you for sharing. And then Erica, I mean, Erica, I I feel like I know your problems because people keep tagging me with your problems on Wednesdays. (laughs) Anytime someone asks, asks me about like STDs or STIs, they're like, have you checked out this you up episode or have you checked out, you know, Erica Spera? Um, she talks about it's like you've become like the poster child. You've become the Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> oh no, the Joey, Joey, I was gonna say Joey Fatone, yeah. but that's not the guy. Joey Tribbiani yeah, oh of uh, of uh, for herpes. So that's fun. What do you want to share about that? I mean, I think the biggest thing is just like uh, people always ask, like, what made you want to be public about it? Because everybody's in the closet about it. It's, it's, it, so it's common. really common. And it was one of those things I was like, if it is as common as all these stats, everything says, I was like, I bet if I become public about it, there's going to be people coming out of the woodwork that I knew from like a softball team one time when I was 12 being like, yo, hey, me too. 
And so I did. And then all those people came out of the woodwork and I was like, I knew it. I knew it. And I took that plunge. And the other part was like, I do comedy and you have to talk about your life and you have to be open right. about your life that it's like, yeah, if I one day, you know, pick up fame from standup, then people go looking in your closet for skeletons. And I was like, well, you're going to eventually find someone I dated and it's going to come out. So I was like, I'd rather come out about it the way I want to and have it not be the shameful thing. Cause I was very kind of in the closet about it myself for like three years and it just ate at me. And it like, it essentially ruined me. And I felt like it was ruining my life. And just even just when I started telling a couple friends, it was like a weight was lifted off of me. And I just was like, you know what? I'm like, I'm just going to go guns blazing. I'm going to own the story of it all. But really coming public about it, I kind of was just sitting there being like, well, I was alone the whole time before this. Like, I wasn't sitting here with boyfriends on boyfriends on boyfriends. So I was like, if I become public about it and say I never really date someone ever again, I was like, that's kind of how my life already was. And I was like, and if it just helps other people feel more comfortable or it helps me feel more comfortable because I meet those people. I was like, that's, that's a win for me. This might be a really stupid question. But did any men um, who also have herpes reach out to you in the way of like, oh, great, I don't have to explain this to her. This is like (laughs) so much less off my plate, you know, like did that. I haven't had it too much in this like romantic sense of guys being like, hey, I have it too. So like, you want to come over? You know, Uh, that's not really romantic, but you got what I mean. (laughs) Um, I definitely had men also come out of the woodwork of people that I knew and It's funny because I originally joined this group that was all women that would talk about it and also had it. And that really helped me just being like, oh my God, I met 10 other women that are also like in their twenties, like normal, regular people that just also happen to get herpes. But when you get a bunch of women together, right, it can easily kind of become this rah, 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 like kind of little anti-men. And so then when I started my own support group, I was like, I'm going to make this co-ed because I want the male perspective. And we get a ton of guys that also come in and also have problems with it and disclosing because- I mean, you know, you're a matchmaker. It's kind of this, the typical heteronormative, you know, balance of relationships is like men hold the power of commitment and women hold the power of sex. So as a woman that dates men, when you get herpes, it's suddenly like your power is taken away. It's like, oh, I used to be able to get laid whenever I wanted to. Whenever I wanted to have sex with a guy, he would have sex with me. The same way that whenever a guy wants to get into a relationship, he'll get into a relationship. Uh, But then you kind of feel like that is just taken away from you. And it's like no longer your choice. And you have to just take what you can get, um, which is partly why it's like, it's more insulting if a dude will kind of message me being like, oh, I also have herpes. So like, you know, I knew you're interested, right? And it's like, do, do you think that's the only reason I'd be interested in someone? It's just <laughs> like, oh yeah, we both have herpes. Sure. I guess we're meant to be. Um, because a lot of people with herpes, myself included, have stayed in relationships that we should have left. Just oh my because God. Cool. I'm so glad cool you're saying that. Herpes. Yeah, they didn't even have it. They just were cool about it. And you're basically like, shit, am I going to find another person that's cool about it? And it feels like no. (laughs) Last week on my stories, I gave some herpes pep talk. Like, you know, someone has it and, you know, I was just showing like, look, this is really common. I think you saw it. It was really common. And if we can destigmatize it, it's just, you know, blah, 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 blah. The amount of people who DM'd me, you know, confining, like, oh, I have it. Oh my God. You know, yes, yes, yes. And then, you know, the, 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 the messages that really broke my heart were from women, especially this one woman, well, I believe is a listener. And so if you're listening to this, I'm talking about you, you know who you are, but she told me that she is in the worst relationship of her life. He's emotionally abusive, financially, like just, a, you know, a very abusive relationship. He gaslights her. He calls her worthless. 
but she stays with him because she thinks to herself like well who's gonna love me now he accepted this and you just and like that's just you know we actually just recorded an episode of, of our, our podcast with Ella Dawson, um, who writes a blog about herpes and has a TED talk about it. And one of the things she brought up in our episode was that uh, people, statistically, people with lifelong STDs and STIs, um, I think there was actually a study with HIV, they are more prone to ab- abusive relationships um, because they feel like they're accepted and they can't leave them, which is so heartbreaking. But it's true. We all do it. Or we all, especially the person you get herpes from, if you know, like who you got it from. And if you're currently seeing them, every single person I've heard of that was in that scenario, I was in that scenario. We all were like, I stayed in that relationship for longer than I should have. And, and you know, you know, when you're doing it, you're just sitting there being like, I just don't want to get back out there. I don't want to have to have this conversation with people. I don't want to get rejected. And I try to just think of it like, I'm a tall woman. I heard you're my same size, 5'11", right? Yeah. And I think about like, there's many men that would not date me because I was taller than them. And then there's many men that are shorter than me that don't care. And it's just like, they're either going to care or they're not going to care. And you're going to kind of have to roll the dice and see. But it's it's heartbreaking to me when I hear people be like, I haven't even tried to get back out there. I'm terrified to get back out there. I haven't tried to date in years. And I'm just like, you have, you have to, you have to rip the bandaid off and try to tell people. That's why I'm like, tell a couple friends first, like tell people you trust, like, right. You you just have to get out there. It's like, it's either going to be a yes or it's going to be a no. And it sucks. I took a lot. I still take rejections, but I took a lot of rejections my first couple of years, but it just, it, you just like build kind of a tougher skin and you just become more accepting of it eventually. But it's just, it's something that's like, you can't change. You have to kind of just accept it's going to be cool with some people. Some people aren't going to be cool. And a lot of people just don't know about it. So they're just going to have questions. And that's what I'm kind of like, yeah, it's not a big deal. I give them some basic facts. And then I go, and if you want to ask your doctor about it, if you trust them more, go do that. Because every doctor just goes, oh yeah, there's nothing. And you're less likely to get it from the person telling you that they have it. Exactly. And that's, I think that's what the question was originally. She, she, the woman, she was saying, you know, he, the question that came to me was like, oh, he just disclosed to me that he has herpes. Is that a deal breaker? And I was like, he was, he was open and transparent with you. I recorded my screen showing like Googling it, like how, you know, how common this is and all that stuff. Cause that's a simple Google search, right? I shouldn't have to do that for anybody. I mean, it's like a, if you find a man who can be transparent with you about something that is, it is an insecurity. Yeah. Any obstacle like that's going to be an insecurity, right? So literally oh, a reason that they might not get laid. Like if right. anyone's telling you a reason that you might not sleep with them, it's like, that's a pretty good person. And it, exactly. And to me, it's like, you know what? If you don't feel comfortable, that's okay. You can still date him. See if you even like, like, you know, this is why he's talking about a 12 date rule, but like, this is like the same thing. It's like, just date him. See if you even like him. Don't yeah. like this doesn't matter if you don't want to sleep with him. Like mm-hmm. forget forget the STD and STIs. Like it does not matter if you don't like him. If you don't like him, then you stop dating him. But if you do like him, then you're gonna have to talk to your doctor. You're gonna have to have a conversation like adults. Yeah. You know, this is something. You know, people have asked me too in my, in my office. Like, do you ask people if they have STDs? And I'm like. No, my job is to set people up. It's your job to have adult conversations. I mean, I've had instances where, um, you know, in matching gay men, sometimes they would disclose their HIV status. And I would ask, you know, gay men, you know, are you taking PrEP? Which is basically it's if you don't have HIV, there is a pill you could take to not get right. HIV. You don't have it. But if you're you being a ghost in Pac-Man, like... <laughs> 
you know, can't get me little monster, you know? <laughs> uh, so I would ask if you, if you're, if they're on prep and if they are, and then, and then I would say like, how comfortable do you feel about dating someone who's HIV positive? And holy shit, like, I think something like 60 or 70% of the men that I would meet for my gay clients who were HIV positive, they were totally cool with it. They were like, yep, it's cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think, I think that's like what has happened in the gay community, I think is a massive, you know, awareness campaign, education campaign, you know, here is what you can take to protect yourself. Here is what the other, you know, here's what you can do. You can use all condoms and all that stuff. And I think that same education needs to happen about conversations like herpes. Oh, definitely. The number one thing I've had men tell me when I tell them I have herpes right off the bat is I can't believe you told me <laughs> like they're genuinely shocked partly of one because you can't know who has it and who doesn't so I guess I'm someone right. they assume. but number two they're like you basically just told me a reason to not have sex with you like like you're being so open and honest and upfront and it's like a lot of people don't even just have a basic conversation of like hey when's the last time you got tested which it's funny of I was one of those people and I still ended up getting herpes so it's like it's out there like and I'm not saying that to scare people but it's just like you can be doing all the right things and still get an STI of some kind and but it always just feels shameful when you do and also you know the person could be telling you and you decide not to date them and then the next person you date could also have it and they don't tell you and you get it so you know I think uh, I've had people after I told them and they rejected me then have a future partner say to them same thing like I have herpes blah blah then they send me a text being like hey I didn't realize how common this was I just had another person tell me they had herpes and they essentially were like I hope I handled it okay like I, I realized it's not a big deal and I'm always like no one's handled it badly like I've never had this awful reaction or anyone like shame me or call me a terrible person you know but it's just like Every time I tell someone, I think that in the back of my mind too, I go, Hey, it might not, it might be a no for me, but it might be a yes for like someone else in the future. And I think that's the same thing of just whatever your baggage is. Like we've all rejected someone for a reason that we're like, Oh, I don't want that. And then you're like, Oh, wow. Okay. I guess everybody has this problem <laughs> like, you know, yeah. or, you know, whatever thing in their life. Totally. Today, we have a letter that's come in from a listener and I shot it over to you guys prior to recording to, and I said, Oh my God, so much to unpack. So are you ready, Erica and Molly, to take turns reading this with me and unpacking the letter from a listener? Yep, we got to do it. All right. So subject line, this is how I dated a fake Irishman. Just right there off the bat, like the subject line. It's like, yeah, this really had me. (laughs) I'll never call an Irish man an Irish man. I'd be like a man from Ireland. (laughs) Um, Okay. A little backstory first to truly illustrate how weird this was. I am a dual citizen. My dad is British. I grew up hearing his accent daily and his whole family still lives in England. So I know my accents, but I have no friends or family in the military. So I was clueless on that front. So I matched with this tall, attractive parentheses, dual citizen, Irish man on Bumble summer of 2019. He told me he was in the U S military because his dad was American and in the military himself. All seemed to check out so far. We talked for a day or so and then arranged to meet for a beer on a Thursday night. He looked better than his pictures and his accent was to die for uh, and sounded legit, even though he even knew some of the Irish language. I'm already cringing over here. We spent the entire weekend together. His Irish accent was perfect no matter what time of day. (laughs) At what point his mom called and they spoke Gaelic to each other. I mean, right there, like 
okay we're gonna, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll talk about it in a second he also had a large irish tattoo what the fuck is an irish tattoo okay he totally love bombed me and he wanted to make me his girlfriend by the end of day two with him i was falling hard at this point what can i say the accent was doing it for me i stupidly said yes okay we got we gotta we gotta discuss this are any of you Irish? I'm very Irish. I actually, so weird thing. My dad was, is a travel agent and his specialty is Ireland. So upon uh-huh. reading that, like, I mean, Gaelic is a bit of a dead language. Like it's very rare that people know Gaelic. And that's what I'm saying. Like, there's no way he wasn't speaking yeah. like gibberish. Yeah. Cause even in Ireland, like they'll have it, you'll be in like deep cork at like or like out in the country and there'll be street signs with gaelic but there's always english molly i've been to ireland 14 times <laughs> okay you got me i've got i think three or four <laughs> i have been to cork i've been to galway uh i have been to uh double i've been i've been everywhere i've been everywhere um and i remember like one time i remember being at this bar with an ex and <laughs> men were speaking next to me i was like what the f- like what are they saying and he had told me he him being from Galway Mm -hmm. or whatever that area I I remember him telling me oh they've put Gaelic on all the street signs but no one really speaks it blah 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 I hear these people speaking this language next and I'm like they look Irish to me so I was like and I was like is that Gaelic and he's like no that's Welsh (laughs) yeah or they'll just have like a super super deep brogue that you're like I can't I don't know what's happening (laughs) yeah I mean, like some of the names are Gaelic. Like, you know, what you read, what you see is not what you're going to read out loud. Like Sorsha. Yes. There, there you go. Example right there. So unpacking this, I want to hear, you know, so your dad, travel agent, is he still a travel agent? Can we plug him? Yeah, he is. <laughs> do you have a relationship with him? I do. My dad and I oh. are very close. Yeah. Demilio Travel. Look it up. <laughs> okay. So if you're looking for a real Irish boyfriend... Now that you're getting your vaccines and the European Union is opening up, head on over to Molly's dad's website and figure Hmm. it out. Okay. So when she talks about his Irish accent was perfect, no matter what time of day, I don't know what that means. Yeah. I don't either of like, she was into it regardless of the time of day. I don't know. Like if you're into accents, you're into accents. Okay. So we have to talk about that. Are you into accents? It depends. Depends on the accent. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like a British or like Irish, but like from a city and not like that country brogue. Like, yeah, that'll get me. Or Australian. Yeah, Australian's real hot. Oh, I, I've broken up someone from for being from Brisbane. I mean, that just upset my ears. It's hard for me to be into the British accents because, um, you know what? I'll take a step back for a second on the accent thing. I, as much as I hate love, actually, with a passion. Oh, I hate that movie too. Oh, I like it. <laughs> there is this when Broadway opens up, there's this amazing um, I think it's like off Broadway or off off Broadway show called Love Actually the Parody. You have to check it out. It is hilarious. So okay. funny. So much talent. That's like the funniest thing. So if you hate Love Actually, even if you love Love Actually, it's just like the perfect thing to go to. All right. Anyway, it's in Midtown. Um, but the most accurate that movie is garbage. But the most accurate scene in that movie is when I forget his name, but the English guy goes to like Milwaukee. Oh yeah. yeah. And he's just like Colin, right? Yeah. Colin. That's right. When he's like bottle, like, you know, like he's saying all the, the words and these women are like, oh, 
like I know I know people personally who have married men because they had a British accent and I'm like he could be from Birmingham which means nothing to my American listeners but my British listeners know what I'm talking about right now like not that Birmingham is a bad place or whatever he like what you said he could be from the country he could be from anywhere and you're like ooh, accent it's like you don't he's not Prince Harry. Like, what are you, what are you putting on a pedestal here? Everybody's got a, cl- a crutch with something. And so some people it's like, your crutch might be accents where you're like, I just, I'm a sucker for accents. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean anything. I, I, I'm, a dentist. I'm a sucker for nice teeth. Okay. It's like a very specific quality, but like, but it's just, I'll know that I'll be like, I just, you just like this guy's smile, Erica. And it's like, it's like a trance, you know, no, that is not the same. That is not the same because <laughs> so your accent only matters in America and only in specific, like, what you said specific accents mm-hmm. like i don't hear anyone being like oh my god i love indian accents yeah <laughs> yeah fair. exactly fair. or I, I love greek accents like my parents and my husband people have heard my husband on the podcast he's like a thick greek accent no one's yeah. being like oh george is so sexy except for one of my girlfriends who uh told me last week <laughs> i love hearing george's accent so shout out to uh, arlene uh, on that one. Anyway. Um, so yeah. So, okay. To go back to this letter. All right. So, so first of all, he told me he was in the U S military. So he's, uh, so we're talking about a U.S. military guy with an Irish accent speaking Gaelic to his mom. I feel like that's a red flag. It's a red flag. <sighs> yeah. Molly, our ambassador from Ireland. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it, he wouldn't have that thick of an accent if his dad was American and in the military, like that means he would have been an army brat. And yeah. bouncing around, mm-hmm. Boom. he probably would have just had a really strange voice, to be honest. Like if he had an accent at home from one parent and then was bouncing around the country. Like uh, I actually have a friend; she's from Scotland, but then grew up in Texas. And so you can tell when she's been with her family for a bit because she'll sound a bit more Scottish. But when she's with her Texas friends, it's you're like, I don't know quite what's happening. But then you're like, say garage. And she's like, garage. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I think it would just sound really strange. We spent the entire weekend together. He totally love bombed me. He wanted to make me his girlfriend by the end of day two with him. I mean, that to me was the biggest red flag of the whole thing. Yeah. The love bombing is just like, mm, no. I was I falling know. hard. I mean, you know, and she's blaming the accent, but you know, she, it's a, she doesn't have to blame the accent. Here, there's a biological thing happening. If you listen to last week's episode with Dr. Helen Fisher, you know, she, this is your evolution. This is spending time with someone, doing fun things. If you spent the whole day together, you're not going to just be, you know, eating brunch all day. You're going to be doing cool things. Uh, that's heightened dopamine. And that makes people fall in love. Yeah. I actually had a kind of similar, not this extreme, went out on what was a second date with someone who we had been talking for like, I don't know, probably close to a month. And I've actually like known him for a while, but we were like starting to see each other. And so we had sex for the first time and then we ended up spending the whole weekend together. It was just happened. We were both free. We, it was a beautiful weekend in the city. So we're just out and about doing stuff. And then come like the week after I didn't really hear from him that much. And so then I started to spiral. I was like, Oh, oh my God, like what just happened? Like I, I thought that things had moved. Yeah. And so it was really hard to like almost pull back the crazy and figure out, okay, like what is really going on? Did I overthink this? So like, I, I do understand that rush of just spending almost what feels like 
almost like being in a relationship with someone for a short amount of time, just so quickly, but you do really have to just bring it back down to earth and think like, okay, but realistically for me, same thing. I was like, okay, we slept together two days ago. Like, Oh wait, hold up. So you met a guy that you dated for, that you spoke to for a month. Yeah. And then you slept the same day. Second date. The second date. We hopped to it. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not judging you. You're looking at me as if I am. Do whatever the hell you want. Okay. I'm just like, now it all makes sense. Like, like, you know, that is a massive crap. It's a crash. That's like, that's, that's awful. Not awful that you had sex, do whatever the fuck you want. It's your body. It's your, it's your mental stability. It's all that stuff. That's all you. And it does work for some people, but you experience a massive drop here. Yes. And Hormonally. so I'm just talking like clinic from a clinical perspective. So of course you like, what did you do? Did you like Google him? Did you watch uh, like YouTube videos of him? I did. I did stalk his social media a lot. Yeah. yeah. Did. And then you stalked his exes too. If you found anything. Yeah, I did. I did. All yeah. 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 Every, every, every person does the same thing. It's not just you. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it angers me. Um, like, um, like there have been instances where that's happened to me and I'm like, God damn it. You don't have any social media. Like I have nowhere to like, mm-hmm. I have nowhere to go. Now I have to like fuck my thumb and be with my feelings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's like, if someone pres- after a high like that, if someone presents a like, Hey, let's lock this down. You know, like, I know this was pre COVID, but like, especially COVID, I feel like there's mm-hmm. people are getting into things so much faster mm-hmm. and it's like, it, it feels like it makes sense. And then you might be like, Oh my God, like what? did I just do like mm-hmm. it hasn't been this long. This is almost a stranger, but when you're coming off this high, it's, it's really hard to take the blinders off and recognize that. Have you heard of my 12 date rule? Has Erica told you? Yeah. I feel right yeah. about it. I watched that. Yeah. Anyway. Can I interject about this too? Another thing, if you have sex very quickly, uh huh, really bad that also very quickly declines it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, wait, like, what? You come off this high, right? This high, this oxytocin high, but like I've hooked up with someone and it just was bad. We did not mesh. And immediately I was completely uninterested in them, mm-hmm. but it wasn't that they were a bad person. So it's like, whether, you, whether it's really good and you get that high or bad or you get that low, it's like, yeah, that getting to know them thing, it, it really can influence it either yeah. way. You know, I have, I have, you just unlock, like you just triggered a memory and I'm going to say it, but before I do like, this is why I like the 12 date rule. And it's just a method. You don't, no one has to follow anything I say, like I promise. But this method, what I like about it is that first of all, you're never going to make the 12 dates with everyone. Like, like yeah. Mr. Irishman would have never, Mr. Irishman with a US flag on his, on his arm, US <laughs> military, he's not making it 12 dates with you. But I feel like if you do wait that, if you can wait a few weeks, I'm talking like three weeks basically, right? But if you can wait three weeks, you can probably open up the communication channel so that if the sex is awkward and for a lot of people, the first time you have sex with someone that you are growing feelings with, it it will be awkward. Like most of the time it's awkward, but at least you have that open communication. You've talked about so many different things that you can make it better. And so if you are a person who's like, I'm sexual, I need to know the sex is good. Well, give it a month. Like let your brain meet up with your, let your body meet up with your brain. Like let that all get connected. And I'm telling you, it'll be really great sex. There is a small percentage that it's not going to work. And I will tell you just triggered a memory for me, Erica. And I'm so glad it's Irish again. So I've had, I've dated three Irish guys. Okay. So the 14 times that I went to Ireland, 12 <laughs> of them were for debate tournaments. Okay. Okay. So I, I dated two guys in like the debate world. 
this is like for undergrad. I'm a, I'm a massive nerd if you don't know that already. And, um, and one of the guys, uh, we, so we hooked up, like I was not trying to date him because hello, he lives in Ireland, but, um, we were talking for like a couple of years. We were, he was in a relationship and I was single or I was in a relationship and he was like, so like it never, it never aligned where we can like finally like kind of rip each other's clothes off sort of thing. And finally, like, I think this must've been in like 2000 nine i want to say or 2011 somewhere there it's like we're both finally single 2009 2009 we're both finally single he's in new york um we're gonna hook up and we've been talking about it we're excited but we haven't like dirty talk we're just like finally right what i want in bed is what he wants in bed mm-hmm. okay. like i don't you know i'm not i'm not trying to like put myself in some binary position but like he wanted what i would want in bed and I'm not trying to be that character in bed. I was like, oh my God, we are so misaligned. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. That's- but it's like, it's what Erica said. It's like, oh, it's like so bad that we didn't do any, we did not have sex. <sighs> it never even got that far. It was just like, oh, this is awkward. Interesting. And it's hard when the expectations are so high and then it just falls flat. And you're just like, oh, we have been trying to be single at the same time since 2005. <laughs> like, like I would see him at tournaments sometimes and sometimes he'd be like a judge like he would get selected as judge and I'd be debating and I'm like well I'm gonna perform now for this guy you know and that just blew up and he's a, he's a good guy but we just never spoke again Interesting. my version of this is like sexting with someone and they say all the things they're gonna do and then Ooh. you sleep with them and they don't do any of those things no. and you're like what what the hell what just happened I was yeah, really like- he like he he definitely said oh, I'm gonna eat you out and then like he, he shows up and he's like pass. Not even that <laughs> basic things, Maria. Like I'm gonna kiss your neck. You're like, what happened to the neck? What happened? That's what happened? barely even sexting. I know. He didn't even wait. First of all, the fact that he even say oh. this in sexting that's like intimate. Yeah, yeah, or like so you know, so you know it's important. Yeah, like <laughs> you know. All right, who wants to read the next part? I'll jump in. He told me he told his mom and family about me and how he couldn't wait to bring me home to meet them. I told my parents about him and, of course, all of my friends. He said he loved me after a week. I didn't say it back right then, but texted him later saying I loved him too. Makes me cringe thinking about it now. He said, whoa, isn't it too soon for love? And totally gaslit me on the whole topic. This, you know what? As much as this guy's like a fake Irish guy, this this does seem like a thing an Irish guy would do. I mean, just a guy. Any man. Because yeah. you rejected him and now he's yeah. mad about it. There's just so much game playing already happening. Right. Like this is regardless of fake Irish man. If a man said he loved me and I didn't tell me tell him I loved him right away, and then later he gaslit me of like, nah, I never said that. It's just like that's someone that just plays games, yeah. and and I'm out. How do you feel if someone said I love you to you while they were drunk, but then they never addressed it when they're sober? Oh, I have an example. <laughs> uh, I dated a guy for a while uh, on and off, like through grad school. I was like head over heels for him um and but that's exactly what he would do he would get drunk tell me he loved me and I would always I wouldn't say it back because I was like don't say it if you don't mean it and I felt that he didn't care for me as much as like I cared about him but I was just I was young and I was insecure and just wouldn't end it and so I would always try and talk about it the next day nothing and it happened three times and that of just like over the course of like a couple of years and like even one time just what? like oh. a couple of years you de- you dealt with this for a couple of years oh. on and off yeah um I mean I-, I think the most that we ever like 
consistently together was maybe like four months and it wasn't even like girlfriend title but yeah that was something that I was always really glad I never said that to him because I was like I did I did love him but like he didn't deserve to really hear it because like I just I wasn't going to get from him what I deserved but I definitely stayed around way too long um can I ask this was it during sex no Mm. Because I know a lot of guys that do that. They'll say, I love you during sex only, which I also don't think counts. No, definitely not. He would do it like on the phone. Like one time it was on the phone. My husband has never said, I love you during sex. (laughs) Really? Interesting. Before, like when we're making out or like, I don't know, we five each other now when we're done. Like, (laughs) like, that was a good round, babe. Let's get on our phones now. Like, I just feel like drunk or during sex. I'm like, I don't, I don't think it counts. If that's the only time you're hearing it. Because I had a male roommate for a brief period of time and I was like, uh-huh. almost like a move. He would, it would just, any girl he's having sex with, he would say it during it. And yeah. he would be drunk as well. But it just was like, oh, this is a lot. This is, yeah. I'm trying to think right now, like I've had, okay. So my, the last Irish guy that I dated, he had said, I love you to me like three times. And those three times were when he was drunk. Mm-hmm. And when I would address it, or I remember one time we were in a cab and he said it, we were coming home from a bar and I was like, do you really? Oh, what did he say? Like, no, no. I said that to him. Like he said, I love you. And I said, do you really? And then he goes, yeah. that's what I'm saying this out loud. He goes in vino veritas, like in his Irish accent, which means like in with alcohol is truth. Oh no. So, so I'm like, Oh, okay. And then I was just like stupid 25 year old. And then the next day I was like, Hey, uh, you said something, you know, and I feel the same way. And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's how mine was. It was trying to the next day of just like, Hey, like you kind of, you said this thing last night. Like I really wanted to talk about it. And it was just like, Nope. And not- then the next time he said it, I remember like, I was not getting anything from him for like a few weeks. And then I happened to go to my parents for like to go to my friend's wedding. It was like a 4th of July wedding. He was like super drunk and he calls me and he said it again on the phone before saying goodnight. Pretty sure he fucked another woman after that. But um, <laughs> Do we date the same guy? Yeah, right? <laughs> I think so. Uh, so that was fun. I was like, oh. And then I just kind of, you know, now in hindsight, like 10, 11 years later, I'm like, this has to be mom issues at this point. I don't know. Like, I'm so glad that only happened to me once because I know people that the, you know, oh, he said, I love you, but then while drunk or whatever, like has happened to them multiple times with other people. And I'm like, oh, that's so painful. Because at least after that, after that experience happened, I knew I would never, that would never stand again. I was like, oh, that was stupid. You know? Yeah. Same. It took, you know, a couple of years of just the same thing happening with the same person. But yeah, you're right. Afterwards, you, you kind of see those signs coming and you're like, no, like also because that tends to be the person that really that all they want to do is hang out when they're drunk. And it's like, okay, if we're not going to have real relationship and do things outside. I mean, that was my experience of like, he was just drunk all the time. So I was like, I don't think I'm going to get a real conversation out of you if, unless you're hammered. So yeah, the reason dating sucks is like the same reason that school sucks. It's like, it's because you have to learn shit. Yeah. Like, like all of dating <laughs> is just learning shit and failing tests. And you're like, when can I fucking graduate? When can I be done? What an incredible analogy. I'm going to steal that. Cause every, every relationship you look back at stuff and you're like, why was I cool with that? Why was I okay with that thing? Or not even relationships, just people you dated. And it's just but you like, know what? I'm so glad 
thing. Like now I'm like really happy things happen the way they did. I know that sounds so stupidly lame, but it helped me with work. Like I can now give like really good advice. Cause I'm like, I've been there. Like, I know, I know what you're experiencing. I know what this is. And it's like, I can, I can speak to it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, That's our whole podcast method. We're like, well, we'll try this method. We'll try that <laughs> method. We're like, this one worked. This one didn't like Molly turned read receipts on with guys. Oh no, you didn't. It was telling them when it was like, I'm not answering this. This is not, I don't have to respond to this. Yeah. <laughs> Try it, harder. It really does work. I'm thinking about turning them back on. <laughs> okay. Molly, your turn to read. There were red flags along the way, but I was too in love to see them. He lied about who owned the house we were living in parentheses. I looked up the sale records. He had He said he had just moved to Minnesota, but I noticed that he had an old Minnesota ID. He had zero social media presence. I never actually saw any proof of his military involvement, etc. After a month or so, he started to act even weirder. So I started to get suspicious of something, just didn't know what I was looking for. Still finding zero presence of him on social media at all, things got even weirder. He acted super sketchy, and I just had a bad feeling about the whole thing. I called him out on some of it, and he got very loud and aggressive. Luckily, over the phone, we broke up that night. After that, he would randomly text me. I still felt so confused and like I had no closure from the whole thing. So I didn't really stop my late night investigations, but after a few months, I kind of let it go as a mystery that I'd never solve. I feel like I've dated this man. Um, (laughs) I'm going to assume his name is Patrick. I mean, come on. I'm going to assume he's married. Yeah, there's something weird going on. I'm curious of at what point she realized he didn't own the house. Like, when was she still with him when she tried to look up these records? Mm-hmm. I, I love that women do shit like that, where it's like, oh, I know you're a mortgage payment. I know how much taxes you own. Right. Yeah. The government. Thing, uh, did you ever use the app Stutter Dud? Uh, it was like stutterdud.com, something like that. And you could put in someone's name and it would tell you, like I had a friend who found like that his parents owned this like three bedroom colonial in Connecticut off this app because it would just pull up everything about them. Wait, what is it called? I think it's gone now, but it was a couple of years ago. It was around 2019, uh, stud or dud. Stud or dud, okay. I used to, I'll, I'll look up like obviously Zillow records, but I also want to see like, if you go to like the parcel records, you could also see what, what voter registration they have. That's, yeah, that's interesting. I was like, I grew up when like Google maps first came out. I remember being in college. Some girls were just Googling just people at our college. Yeah. Like, Cause there was like addresses listed somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could like look at people's houses and they basically were like figuring out who had money. And I was like, this is insane. That's wild. Yeah, Google was that, but when I was dating, like going on dates at the end of high school, um, there was MapQuest and I had to print out the the directions. <laughs> and then if you missed the turn, you had to look at your directions and figure out in the light in the little light at night in the car to figure out where you missed the turn. I'm not even that old, but like things just happened so quickly in the two thousands. Okay, so let's 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 finish this letter up here. Until March of 2020, I find myself in a very happy, healthy relationships relationship who I now live with, but I was searching my Venmo to see if I had paid my brother for something in the fall. And I noticed I got paid a name in September. I didn't recognize. Okay. Just pause for a second. I think she's lying. I think she looked him up. I don't think he paid her anything, but that's just my opinion. That's fine. But if you saw him in September, how are you already living with someone in March? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Was it like a random payment? That was his way of reaching out. Or did she just look him up? That's why I was also 
I don't know. I don't know. I clicked on the profile and it was the Irishman. Well, he's not Irish, but anyway. But now he was using his real name on Venmo. It's probably not even Patrick anymore. It's like Peter. Uh, with his real name, I found his real Facebook page and I discovered that he was not a single Irish military man, but a local with a young daughter and a recent divorce. The accent was fake. The name was fake. The entire backstory was fake. The family members he talked on the phone with in front of me, fake. He made up an entire life. He she was with someone who spoke to his mom in Gaelic and he was talking to nobody. Anyway, um, I later found out that I wasn't the only one he did this to. Oh my God. If you are listening to this, Patrick, I want you to be a guest on my show so badly. And saw, and she continues, and some weren't even deeper. So I'm glad I trusted my gut and got out when I did. When I find out, I felt incredibly violated in every possible way. And I still cringe thinking about it. Girl, I cringe for you. I mean- a catfish is like one of everybody's biggest fears, but I don't know. What do you guys think about no social media presence? Like I would ask the person about it. I think at this point, if you don't have a LinkedIn, yeah. Yeah. Like get the fuck out of here. You're not real. Anything that's like, everybody's out here Googling mm-hmm. and it, if nothing's popping up, unless he gave you just a super, super basic Irish name, like whoever's house, the name was under, she didn't Google that. Cause yeah. like when she got the real name via Venmo, she suddenly found all this shit. So I'm like, well, is that the name the house is under? Probably. Or it's like, if it was under the wife's name, you know, if he's divorced, it's like, well, if you found the wife, you probably would have found his stuff too. Like, yeah. Cause whose house was it? But mm-hmm. you can also, I feel like you should not have sex with someone if you don't know answers to these questions. Like, Hey, what's your, what's your Facebook? You don't have a Facebook. What's your LinkedIn? What do you mean? You don't have a LinkedIn. Let's create a LinkedIn right now. Like, you know, I, we, I cannot give you the pussy if you do not have a little professional headshot looking at me from your LinkedIn. I'm sorry. Like that, that, that has to be the standard. I need to see something. Yeah. And I just like my most previous ex, he didn't use social media. And so that was something that we like talked about. He was like, I, I have the profiles. I don't use them. I don't really like know how to use them. And so he was addressing it and knowing that it was something that people don't really, people aren't just like hard to find on the internet. But he actually really was. He was like, everything is really locked down. And, but like you, they existed. And so he followed me on Instagram to prove that he was a real person. Um, and like he had a LinkedIn and all of that. But it's like, if, someone just isn't even acknowledging it in this day and age. It's like, I don't understand how that isn't a conversation. I have some of my clients who are like incredibly wealthy. They're so wealthy that they can afford to not be online. Like you can't find anything about them, but you know who they are. Like, it's like, all right, I can just. Yeah. Like they're on their, you know, company websites. You're just like, oh, okay, this is your yeah, name. Yeah. But there, there won't be a photo of them. It'll just be like a byline. Like this person owns this VC firm or whatever. Like shipping company or something like you're like oh okay like i'm not gonna find a photo of you on facebook or linkedin but i know i know i know of you so we're okay in college that's public record look up their name and their college and their sport and you'll find them yeah like there's a headshot of them playing a sport somewhere yeah and that never goes away that never goes away if you google my name it's still one of the first pictures that come up for me just a headshot of mine from playing basketball in college yeah even some of my high school stuff comes up yeah yeah Mm -hmm. that stuff is great seo yep Now that you mentioned that one of my, uh, former classmates from high school, his, his, he passed away, unfortunately, a few years ago, um, in, in an accident. And, um, he was, I guess, like a coach of like a sports team at some college and someone has been using his photos Mm -hmm. on Bumble. 
Yep. Oh, wow. Not surprised. Because they're probably finding us, they're looking up obituaries to be like, who's not around? And then I can assume the identity of this man or woman. That's like nuts to me. But Mm -hmm. to me, like, honestly, in the dating world, the military is usually a really easy catfish. So like if, if a guy says that he's in the military, you need proof right away. I need to see photos. I need to know where you're at. I need like, because the, in, in online, if someone joins with a military outfit in our office, like as a photo, if they don't pick up the phone right away, we delete them because it's usually a scam. Mm. Why is that? I don't know. There are certain people who sign like, well, we'll, before we, before we delete, we'll look up the IP address to verify, to see where it's coming from. So it's like, oh, it's not us based military photos are just incredibly easy to swipe. And I don't think the people that are coming into a matchmakers website understand that a human's going to be looking at this, not some algorithm website, whatever that can get lost in like the millions of profiles. So, you know, the reason why catfishes happen to some people is because they will put up a photo of military, you know, someone in a, in their formal uniform, um, they'll make on purpose grammatical mistakes. And what they're trying to do is they're actually, this is a screening process for, for people that catfish or scammers, online dating scammers. What they're trying to do is they make these mistakes to see who will ignore them. Because if you can ignore these like small grammatical mistakes or gaps in the story, chances are what, like, you know, six months down the line after I've groomed the shit out of you over the internet, if I ask you for $40,000, to fly me out of some country, you'll do it. Oh, on purpose. Yeah. A smaller amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to not look as, you know, articulate, trying not to look as witty Mm -hmm. um, on purpose because they're trying to attract a certain kind of person who would trust and a military uniform. It it does bring out trust. It it brings out serotonin and and FaceTime on base, like our internet. There's a lot of excuses with privacy that you're like, well, he's in the military. So, okay. So question, because one of the biggest flags to me was the ID living in New York. I was someone who my first driver's license was the old New York ID. And -hmm. then when I turned 21, it significantly changed. It went from like a Brown to like a, it's like a shiny, almost like clearish blue gray now, which, so like when you see someone with an old New York ID now, you're like, what is that relic? Yeah. Uh, you know, and so it's like, well, how do you even get into bars with an expired ID? It's yeah. not expired. They weren't expired. For yeah. For a, yeah. For a long time, there were both of them out. So, mm-hmm. but it was always a conversation piece of like, oh, you still have an old New York ID. Yeah. So do you think he intentionally wanted her to see the ID to see if he could get it by her? Do you think that was like a test of, cause it, it's so weird to me that she didn't ask about the ID. And cause if she did, she would have seen the name was probably different. I used to do that to guys. I used to be like, oh, let me see your ID. Oh, you look so cute here. But I just want to verify their first and last name. <laughs> That's a good move. Interesting. It's a really good move. Um, I, I just want to point out that I I don't, none of us are attacking this woman and and you know, she's very much a victim here. Yeah. Um, yep. And I have been in the situation where the guy was married, had kids. Wow. And because their name was so common and he didn't have a photo on LinkedIn. I was like, Oh, I don't know which one he is. I'll figure it out eventually. And when I did figure it out, I, I put a, a shut it down, but I've been in a situation where it's like, you know, they gaslight you. They're like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, I found your wife on LinkedIn. Like, I, I know who you are. Why you don't trust me? I go, are you married? Like you just tell me so I can make a, you know, like you're just not in conversation right now. Yeah. It's got to be so hard not to feel 
violated? Violated, but like once you figure it out, but then in that situation of like when, when she did try to call him out and he just gaslit, gaslit her, like you got to, some part of you has to feel a little bit like, oh, am I the crazy one? Like what's happening? Cause it just feels like such a bizarre thing. Like this couldn't happen, but clearly it does. Mm-hmm. Sociopath. Yeah. Online dating is, I mean, even meeting someone in online real- dating, listen, um, that the, the guy that I was, you know, like, uh, I, I didn't meet any of those, any of those people online dating. I met them through real life, yeah. like at a real life event. And that, you know, right there gives you social cred too. Cause like, oh, I met some of your friends at this event. So they're vouching for your yeah. existence, but they don't know the rest. Like I'm not, I'm not making out with someone at a bar. I feel like there should be a lesson though, that accents don't mean shit. Yeah. That's, that's fair. And also, um, it makes me think of the, the podcast series, Dirty John. Yes. Good jobs of it. Like that woman was highly, highly successful and she was extremely manipulated to just provide for him. And right. it was financial was- abuse, like yeah. fully. If yeah. you haven't heard it, just binge that after this Dirty John, and then mm-hmm. you're going to go subscribe to Shooters Gotta Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> and then of course if you if you're a new listener subscribe to this podcast too so you can get more content dropped to you every wednesday when we release new episodes ladies it was so nice having you on ask a matchmaker and uh unpacking this letter we received yeah thanks so much for having yeah, us thank you for having this us this was a great time thank you for thank you for coming and thank you dear listener for listening to ask a matchmaker each week i feel so grateful to receive your questions and provide answers and again i want to thank our guests erica and molly the the ladies from shooters got to shoot where can people find you um you can find me i'm at sperica that's s p e r i c a a um or just look up erica spera on all social media and i'm at the guaca underscore molly and Shooters Gotta Shoot Pod on Instagram. Um, and what what days does your podcast come out? Or every Thursday. Every Thursday. So you listen to this podcast, and then tomorrow you're going to listen to a Shooters Gotta Shoot podcast. And in between there, you're going to binge listen to the Dirty John podcast and then book a trip to Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot to do, guys. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a big checklist. <laughs> all right, all right. Ladies, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. If you have a dating or relationship question, question visit askamatchmaker.com and if you want to continue receiving dating and relationship content and tips follow me on instagram at matchmaker maria until then be lovable and more importantly be likable see you next week